This is a show about individual experience and personal identity. There may be times when folks use identifying words or phrases that don't feel right to you. That's part of what we're exploring here. Please listen with an open heart. And as always, I welcome your polite, engaged feedback, and I encourage you to continue the conversation in your life and with your community. Welcome to Query. Hey there, Queeros. Well, it's Cameron. I am in the basement of the Vic Theater in Chicago, right before the last of our two final sold-out shows on this tour. Man, it has been so great to meet so many of you. And I am so excited to come back home and sleep in my own bed. This week on the show, we have Shadi Patowski. This was a very interesting conversation. I think really different than what... I've heard before um, from different folks that I've been working with on Query. That's what I love so much about these chats and, you know, what I hope we will all lean into and learn from. Somebody's identifying words. I think it is great to have identifying words if that feels good to you. Um, but somebody's identifying words don't aren't a full stop, right? There's still more to learn about who they are and how they position themselves in the world. And I think Shetty's a great example of a conversation that just ended up being surprising to me, even as somebody that already knew Shetty. So, um, you can check out uh, Shetty's show, Danger and Eggs, on Amazon, and you can listen to the episode right now. Hey, while you're at it, why don't you leave us a rating and review? Rate and review on iTunes. If you listen on iTunes, it does us a huge solid. So thank you so much. Enjoy the show. Hello, Queeros. Welcome back. And this is fun. Are you feeling good? Are you feeling settled in? Yes, I'm great. Yeah, good. Oh, I was waiting for the introduction. Am I allowed to talk you know, before? Yeah, you know what I do on this show is I, I have guests introduce themselves. Right. So, so would you would you introduce yourself? I'd love to. Um, I'm Shadi Potosky, and I make stuff. I'm a maker of stuff. I Mostly I'm making kids TV right now, writing and producing, but I've made the Ninja Turtles website and all kinds of creative things <laughs> <laughs> like, where, where I get I get distracted. You made so, the Ninja Turtles website? Yeah, for like, the movie. Is it, oh, for the movie. Yeah. So it's not like the website that's supposed to be the personal website of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Oh, no, no, no. That would be yeah, pretty good, too. If I just dropped that as my... my <laughs> in, in 1996 <laughs> on Geo No, it was like, I just, I do a lot of stuff. Yes. Yeah. Most recently... Well, not most recently, but what I would say maybe maybe people listening uh, would be maybe the most familiar with. It's most recently. Uh, would be Danger and Eggs. Yeah. On Amazon. Mm -hmm. And I did a voice on there. You it's did. an animated show. It yeah. is for small humans. It's a kid-oriented animated yep. show. Um, and it also has... Well, why don't you tell us about the show? Oh, it's... Uh, no, all those things are true. Um, did you... You said it was on Amazon. Uh-huh, yes. Oh, yeah. I... Um, Co-created it with one of uh, an animator named Mike Owens um, in Minneapolis, and we uh, originally did it as an adult short, and then turned it into a kids show when Cartoon Network was interested, and then kind of just kept rewriting it and rewriting. And Amazon bought it, and it's about this uh, teal-haired young girl who comes from this legacy family of daredevils and isn't really sure if that means anything anymore and who she's supposed to be. And then, but she still has a lot of energy and does stunts and things. And then um, she is sort of protected by this very anxious, giant, talking egg. Yeah, with little teeny legs yeah. that are so long. Yeah. And very cute. Yeah, just little spindly legs. So those two are kind of the main characters. And then everything takes place in this kind of like modern urban park. And they get to experience all kinds of stuff. I'm not good at pitching it. I that The theme song is about how, how bad I... It's just a kid in Aga Park. They do stuff. <laughs> is uh, <laughs> is how it was was my elevator pitch, and that became the theme theme song. Well, and something that the show has gotten attention for because you're 
out there talking about it and other people that did voices on the show are out there talking about it um is that like the side characters what's the what's the word i'm looking for the, everybody <laughs> the supporting characters are like a bunch of different types of yeah people you yeah, see I like a uh, sh- bunch of different types of people right the show like kind of is an expression of my intersectional politics and and my belief in inclusion and diversity in Hollywood. So um, we made that show for kids. Yeah. And like, for instance, Rhea and I were yeah. on being uh, twins. Yep. Non-political yeah. twins. <laughs> but <laughs> like, you know, I mean, everyone sees you in real life. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I don't know, like, I guess fully what... Um, and our gender, I think, is just supposed to be our gender, like what we actually are, which is like oh, I didn't think of fighter it pilot, and maybe Leah yeah. is like sort of. A, I think it was just, uh, yeah, like clay, flexible clay creatures. I didn't even really think we didn't. I didn't nail that down, but we did make their faces and haircuts look like your faces and haircuts to a degree. But flexible clay creatures <laughs> is. What is that gender? Your yeah, that is. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry, I didn't. <laughs> no, I mean think, to get so heavy. No, I, I think it's real. I mean, Rhea and I are not the same gender, but we're like, no. but we're within the same family of like middle guys. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, the characters were written before we cast you as those characters to be, uh, yeah, like yogi, um, circus people. And I was actually. And you in were the a circus, circus. Pe- person, yeah. yeah so so it's... gosh, I am great at casting. I know. Um, yeah, so that's who they are, and it worked out, I guess. It did work out. Yeah. I think that that's what's. It's kind of what's exciting about to me. It seems like this is happening a little bit more in animation right now, where um, there are some of these. Hey, I grew up on princesses, like cool i guess um but i can't imagine if i'd grown up on like yogis <laughs> what that would have been like yeah as opposed to princesses i mean i loved like the robin hood cartoon because right. like what oh, are doesn't? those people doing oh. they're foxes those people are foxes they're so sexy <laughs> <laughs> they're and so also sexy. and also literally, literally foxes, foxes. Yes. that show is knew what it was doing yeah yeah absolutely yeah it sexualized everyone so what is? I ha- just shared a gift from Robin Hood. A gift from Robin Hood. Oh yeah, yeah. Which today. what is it? It's like a little dirty. Oh. <laughs> it's when Robin Hood is squirting water into Prince or um, Little John's mouth. <laughs> I'll have to check this yeah, out. Yeah, that's cute. Wow, that's yeah. funny. How my, is it's the, my sexuality? What is the your sexuality? Is Robin Hood squirting a little bit of water into Little John's mouth? Yep. Yep. Perfect. Yep. Um. How has the response been going to the show? It's awesome from the LGBT community. Tumblr likes it. Um, it's gotten great press. The, all the reviews are like five stars that have come out. I don't know what Amazon thinks, and we don't have a second season. So it's like there's a lot of really cool stuff from the community. But, uh, oh, a Comic-Con was amazing, too. We went to Comic-Con and did a whole thing, and it was full of people, and uh, everybody was really excited, and we gave away original artwork. So, yeah, that was it's it's great but I think uh, I've burned out of that initial excitement and now I'm in like this weird limbo place where I'm not really sure what the response is. Because it didn't like, I worked on Yo Gabba Gabba, that was the first show I worked on. And as soon as that show came out, it was a hit. Like it was so big and it stayed so big forever. So I think I'm um, that was my bar or something. And now I'm just like whiny. Sure. I mean, well, also a really hard thing to achieve right now because the marketplace is so different for kids than when Yo Gabba Gabba. I mean, there are still shows that are yeah, no, no, huge hits and cultural touchstones, but it's uh, less less dominating, right? For any single show, it's just hard to know how much. And I get like you're on you were on CISO, so maybe it's similar. It's just like on these platform like who's watching it you don't know who's on amazon what what's happening i don't know anything i don't know if people are watching it. i don't know if it's good or not good you know ria and i are gonna leave in uh 10 days i guess for our first tour our first like big tour yeah after take my wife like we didn't go on one between seasons oh wow so we've like never met people i mean we 
people have come to LA and come to Put Your Hands Together, the show that we do here, but we've ne- we haven't yet met people that have seen the show. Oh. I'm really excited to that is exciting. see that. I think I, if I was a healthier person, I wouldn't need as much of the validation that I think I need right now. But I'm in mean? a very weird spot. Um, I don't know. I just want people to, I just want to be able to step into Comic-Con every once in a while and get that back or something, you know? Well, why would you do this job if that wasn't the goal? Right? Oh, that's a nice, that's a nice way to put it. I don't know. Isn't it cooler to just pretend that you don't want uh, accolades? No. I think it's, I actually think it's disingenuous. Yeah. Okay, good. Because I really want all this stuff. Of course. I want people to really like it. And I want, I want to get more jobs. And Of course. Of course you do. Oh, okay. Thanks. I mean, you moved to, I you're left. not from here. You're from no, like no, the Midwest, right. right? Well, Montana, but Montana, I lived in Minneapolis okay. for yeah. quite a while. So, so like you got your ass out of Montana to LA. Right. That's not an accident. No. You came here specific. When did you when did you come this to LA? This is so interesting cuz I'm usually on the other side of this conversation where people are where people talk about people in LA and I'm like every single person here left their family and friends and everything they knew behind in the pursuit of self-interest and that's like the baseline personality that's here and that's why that explains this behavior and that's why we can do this sort of stuff and there's certain great things about it but then when I think about it in myself I guess I'm a little weird about it but I moved to LA in 2014 Mm. or 13 but I had a place here through GABA so I'd come a lot so I'd come for like a week at a time and and so I know a lot of I have like 10 year relationships with people right but I'd come like four times a year that's interesting because when when I moved here you were already like kind of a fixture I assumed you had like lived here for yeah no I think but it was just the I don't know if I lived here when you moved here because I remember it was like a big deal because you got the Tuesday night slot and it was mm. like wow she's how is that <laughs> like <laughs> it was no, a big deal it was huge like yeah. it was the talk of everything like that that taking over the comedy bang bang spot was massive and and people talked about you in a really amazing way oh yeah I'm I didn't know you were queer I mean that would be even I'd... more amazing oh for wow. me it was just like a woman? <laughs> a woman like she must be Wow. Unreal. Wow. That's yeah. really, I've never heard that. Oh, yeah. Thanks. Gosh. That's super nice of you. No, to that tell was me. a huge, I mean, the Tuesday nights at UCB, that was the, that is the comedy night. That was the spot. That ah, was the I know, dude. I mean, <laughs> like, I can't even believe that that, ha- well, let's talk about, you know what I want to just ask about really quick? You said self interest. People move out here in pursuit of self interest. Do you mean that, like, when you say that, is the sinister part of that? phrase in there or are you no is it, it just like it wasn't yeah yeah no because i think people are very generous and kind to each other and and good things i just mean that like you have to believe in yourself enough to believe that you could get a job doing the thing you want to do absolutely versus like i'm going to i don't know what the other i guess self-interest is what we all do but like versus like well this is my you know this sort of like Jean La or Tall Poppy thing where it's like, no, I'm here. This is my community. I'm going to stay in my community. I'm going to make sure I'm around to help my grandmother. Right. You know, just that that sort of like, don't rise above. Don't ever be a baller. Never. That kind of Midwestern thing. Right. I I mean, I I think some people, um, yeah, like the path of following the path. Yeah. And that's maybe a Minnesota thing where I lived, but it's like, it's so Scandinavian where you're, you can't you can't think that you're good enough to do anything like that's as soon as you do that, you're, you're betraying the community. Right. Yeah. How did you get to Minneapolis? It was just like, I was, um, I went on this world of fine art tour, which was just these, this sort of caravan of Western artists. And, um, I mean, this story, there was, a painter I liked, a Western painter that I liked when I was in Montana and I was walking through the mall with my laundry um, because I would cut through the mall to get to the laundry mat. And I saw this Holly Merrifield's World of Fine Art. And I saw the painter that I liked and I met him. He's 70 years old. I was so fascinated and excited that I got to meet him, went to do my laundry. And he said, come back tomorrow. I'd love to talk to you. So I went back the next day and he said, you know, I need an assistant for the road. Um, would you be interested in doing it? My friend had just tried to kill herself and like 
shit wasn't going right for me. I was working at Taco Bell and I was in community college and I paid my roommate, you know, like four months rent to the end of our lease and got into a van, not a van, but like a camper with this 70 year old gay man who told me he was gay, like as we were leaving. And I was like, that's okay. <laughs> like I was like, okay with it. So I went on this art tour with him to be his apprentice. He was also like incontinent. So I'd clean up his shit all the time and just like help him out. And then he wanted to have sex with me. So I kind of said, this isn't part of it. So I'm leaving. And I, um, was too ashamed, you know, I was very excited about going on this art tour. So I was too ashamed to go back to Montana where my family was. And I just got a Greyhound bus and I went to the UP of Michigan where um, I had lived and I had this friend who wanted to move to North Carolina. And I was just like wandering around and I got this certain kind of Greyhound bus ticket where you could get off every day and stay in a place um, for one night. So I was sleeping in parks and all kinds of cities. And I went all over the country and like Minneapolis is one where it was just magical to me. Like, it was clean and uh, there was music in the bus stops and I showed my portfolio to this like kind of web design interactive company thing and they were like do you want a job here and I was like no I'm trying to figure out my college ambitions and stuff but that was amazing to me it was just this like really pristine wonderful amazing city and I thought if I ever wanted to go to a city it would be Minneapolis it's a great city how old were you during all that time um I would have been, it was before my 21st birthday, because that was later, so yeah, 28, 19, something like that. Wow. Like first year of college. That's a pretty, yeah. yeah. that's a lot of stuff. That's a pretty big risk. You took a bunch of big risks. Yeah. Doesn't I feel like know. it? Uh, I was that kid, though. I, like, I, no, I didn't feel like it, I guess. I, um. No, I opened a bank account when I was like 11. I had all these, I always had jobs. I was very self-sufficient. My brothers were 10 years younger than me. And I, I watched them all day while my parents were at work. And I just, I felt more responsible than other people. So it didn't, it doesn't, even now, I just don't, it doesn't phase me to, maybe I'm just, I'm not, not risk adverse, I guess. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I mean, I'm more just struck by the idea of like trusting somebody, like trusting a stranger like that, the art the artist that you were talking about you yeah. know like that's that level of risk right i'm actually a, i actually am a little he was bit. so old yeah, i mean I it was it was like this like thing where i thought i didn't even think you still like sexually oh right yeah okay. i i mean there's that that's part yeah. of it but, yeah. but um i actually mean uh i have to really think things out before i do them mm. and by the way i i think things out really quickly like i right. don't like stew in things but i have to like really think things out write like a to-do list think about like all the pluses and minuses like i'm a very intense prescribed person i'm the so exact what opposite. you're talking about yeah. of getting on a bus like the risk that i'm talking about isn't the safety risk it's more like but what if this like takes your life down the wrong path and yeah. you're like it doesn't sound like that's how you think at no all. not at all i i thought i was gonna die any day you know like i didn't I, d I, d I never thought about the future. I still don't really think about the future. What do you mean you thought you were going to die any day? I mean, I just thought, I thought, like, I was really depressed when I was 14. And I was like, this is what a midlife crisis must feel like. So, therefore, I'm going to die when I'm 28. Like, that was the logic I had. Wow. Like, I just didn't, I had no guidance. Like, my parents worked three or four jobs. They weren't emotionally there. I was just like figuring everything out. I, I had no one. I'd never got taught anything when it was like, how do you learn? How do you shave? And there was no internet. So it was like, how do you shave? Read the boxes. You know, like I was the kid. I, wa I walked to school my first day of school in first grade by myself. I would go grocery shopping as a first grader for my mom. Like I just, that was my life. Are you ever scared of anything? No. Yeah. Like, yeah, What totally. are you scared of? Violent, like... I'm, uh, I don't know. There's a picture of me crying on the internet because I got detained by the TSA. I get scared of institutional oh, right. like violence and police. Yeah. When did that happen? Uh, two years ago, during the pilot of Danger Nights. So it was a couple years ago. But yeah, uh, there'll be moments like that. But I'm not scared like other people are scared. You know what I mean? Like I'm not scared of very much on the day to day, mm. or like spending money or 
getting yeah, I'm into scared something. of spending money. Yeah, I'm scared of making like a move that I haven't thought out. I'm scared no, of I'm murderers coming in the shape of a clown or any other shape. Yeah, I'm scared of clown murderers. <laughs> I, th- I think uh, I've got I've got some security. Um, I think uh, I think I purposely try not to think too much about anything. If I try to do what you do, I just end up depre- depressed. Like for me, thinking about something is like looking up a rash on WebMD. You know, like oh, that's so it just like dry, I just get pulled into this path. So I've through therapy and self help books and stuff, just don't. It's much more gut, much more how we decide, emotional, quick. That you know, I can prepare for it all I want, but it's not going to be the thing. I never, if I ever am having like a conversation with somebody in my head, I'm like, whoa, 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 stop that. I ripped their face off. I'm beneath them like Scooby-Doo. Like I refuse to prepare in certain ways. Wow, that is, that. <laughs> what you just said is unbelievable. If you're ever having a conversation with somebody in your head. You have to rip their mask off. You have to rip, rip their mask off. Because they're just you. Because they're just you. Yeah, every time. Wow. So what if you're having a problem with somebody? How do you do that? I just... Uh, you just go to them and you say, I have a problem with you. Yeah, that's all I can do. And then tell them that I respect... Like, I really respect anybody that's able to, like, talk about a problem directly. I really like that. But if I have a problem with... Because I'm so bad about it. Like, because my na- like natural instinct, if I have a problem with somebody, is to, like, think the worst and, and just go into, and be depressed and suicidal. So in order to do that, it's just, like... Nope, can't think about them. Hardwick, um, in his book, talks about having tree branches go grow out of your body. Like, if you're ever like, oh, I think this is cancer, and you find yourself lying in bed, imagining dying of cancer, and your loved ones are around, and everybody feels so sad, and you feel sad, but kind of okay, you're ready to go. And you don't really realize that, like, you're super depressed, and you're actually laying in bed, imagining I'm just like to have cancer, and you're in that feeling of what, or what you think that feeling's like. He says to, like, pretend to grow tree branches out of your body, like kind of Groot out, like just imagine this like very fanciful, weird thing happening. And then your brain goes, oh, whoa, that was weird. You know, you can have fairies come in or whatever you want to do. So when I think about something, I tend to just try to like have tree branches go through my head and then I'll put on an audiobook or something like that. Wow. Yeah, I try not to think about stuff too much because I'm not good at it. That's really, I mean, I don't know if I, I wonder if that would, I wonder what effect that would actually have on my job. Yeah. Because I, I, because to be a stand-up comic, I think you have to be the type of person that like really overthinks things. Yeah, but don't, how much, how do you write? Or, I'm sorry, turn this around on you. No, I'm not, yeah. Do you, does, does thinking about stuff actually help your comedy or is it, or does that come from like those moments of really writing? So I don't, um, unlike a lot of comics, I mean, there are some comics who do this, I don't, like, write. write. Oh, okay. So I go on stage, and mm-hmm. I, like, I, I will have an idea, a thought, like, kind of a general, like, this is a topic to discuss, and then I'll go on stage, and I will talk about it, and then I'll just talk about it, like, 30 times mm-hmm. until it's a nugget of a joke, and then I'll add stuff to it, and then I will continue to refine it. So it's always uh, performative, mm-hmm. and the anyway so the like thing the mechanism that's happening in my brain as i walk around i think it's just like a personality trait of somebody that does stand up Mm. for most people i know where it's like you're the kind of person you walk around you just like notice everything have a running internal dialogue and then the stage is when you go like have you guys ever noticed like because you've been noticing it all day and (laughs) like then you just act super casual about it slash say that same thing 500 times in a row right right. pretending as if it's the all happening in that moment i did stand up for a little while and it was like i I had a i mean like most people who quit had trouble with that part of it just the just the like even i have this thing where i refuse to tell a joke more than once in any kind of gathering like there's some it's almost religious like i believe it's going to jinx it there's no way people will laugh if i say the same thing <laughs> twice so it'll come to mind i'll be like nope rework it and then i might have something wow that's really but it's like this weird thing i did i got that when i was like in grade school where i was like nope it has to come from this magical land like it has to come from 
the ether. It can't be something. I can't think about it. So that, if that is how you feel, then how are you able to write for television, which re- which requires like so much refining, and then especially an animated yeah. show. There's so many pieces to that and putting it's, it together. That's really performative. Um, in on Danger and Eggs, Laura, Zach, and I would just sit together and um, and just you know it'd be like we just do it. It'd be like you know Philip says you know everyone please remain calm and just like doing the voices and performing the thing and and then you know he's like wait what what's happening and just completely performing it and then capturing it and writing it, it down. I'm not good at like writing editing writing editing in front of a computer for a long time so it is much it is pretty performative i mean that makes sense to me Um, and then trying to beat it and trying to beat it and try to beat it yeah yeah that makes sense to me i mean i just i did write a television show where one of the characters speaks in my voice so i do understand (laughs) that like standing up and and like saying this is what the character would say totally works as a writing method did you spend a lot of time because I, the other people just sit in front of their computer and type and rework and rework it, and I'm not that effective when I do that. I have to be. I can write like that. I mean, there were a couple yeah. like the episodes that I wrote for Take My Wife. I guess I, you know, you take home and would write it, but oh um, right, sure. We're more, you know, it was like a room of a bunch of people. Let's just talking stuff out, reading stuff. Yeah. I didn't really realize that about television writing. I really thought it was like you go home, you are alone. Yeah. Like you put up folders between your laptops and you can't look at each other's paper sort of a thing. I didn't yeah. realize it was a collaborative effort. Yeah, no, it's, I guess that's good and bad, but no, I like I it. Li- yeah, I, I, I prefer it. it. I would not, I don't really do well, like go home and yeah. My, one of my yourself. execs made me was like, no, you need to write this in this way. And it's like, just respect that I am terrible alone like in, <laughs> in every way, you know? So you're writing this show and, and, why 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 make a show with lgbt representation i think it was just i didn't i didn't know what else to do you know it's like i I remember the story editor was um came to me and was like you know this is going to be really fun we'll do a writer's room you haven't really done a writer's room before um uh it's it's great you you just talk about your childhood and all the great stuff that happened and then you know sometimes when it's really fun it's kind of like therapy and i was just smiling at him and going like oh fuck no dude like my childhood was traumatic and shitty and you're not going to put that stuff in and then like and i don't want to hear how delightful yours was especially in la where people are like you know I think my mom just loved me too much. You know, like just all this stuff where it's just like when I was in boarding school, she did all my homework. And it was it, it's just like I I only like people who suffer or I tend to like people who suffer more. So I didn't really want to talk about my childhood. So I was trying to I guess I was trying to correct for it or something. I think it was just sort of like what are the things I struggled with when I was a kid, like identity and and queerness and you know how where the lines of like intimacy and relationships are and stuff and then just trying i guess it was just sort of like writing the view of how i wish that would have gone a little bit more so it's an aspirational thing versus like a more realistic take on it which which character do you connect more with safety Uh, or like yeah i think well i definitely am diagnosed with anxiety so i i really um respond to all of Philip's anxiety stuff and that was the character that was easy easiest to write. Dee Dee was really hard to write until like eighty came in and then showed us how to she started performing her and then we started to understand how Edie was doing it and then we were able to write her a little better. But yeah, definitely Philip, but I think I mean really and this is so shitty, but the characters that I wrote into the show that are most myself are like crackers, the megalomaniac raccoon. Or Francesca, who's in this episode where, you know, she's directing a play and, like, everyone quits all the time because her anxiety manifests and, like, her being, you know, seeming angry or wanting space or wanting quiet or just, like, just needing to get away. And, like, that's me. Like, that character was me. The, the, the raccoon that wanted to build stuff and didn't treat people well, that's me. Like... That, that it's shitty but that's me what do you mean didn't treat people well like how is i mean that i you? don't always treat people well in what way um like i just forget about people 
you know i'm not a, i'm not i'm not a great like remembering that someone else is here well person. i mean not to be a therapist <laughs> but it would seem like a kid who really had to take care of themselves yeah would end up like survival right by through through a survival situation like you need to focus on yourself yeah. if if you're the person taking care of yourself you better be able yeah. to take care of yourself and i'm i'm super nurturing and i'm really like i i mean i think i think now people enough people have told me that i'm generous that i feel generous and like there's certain things but like yeah i don't always i'm not always the best friend like i'm not always the person that's going to call you on your birthday or remember that stuff and that doesn't that's not it's not great so um, when yeah. you were a kid because you're saying well actually let me just ask this a different way you're so you think of your childhood as tough and like your folks not being around yeah. or supportive or yeah, like what would be the, I, I, what would well, be the phrasing Danger for them? I, I guess it was like Physically there, but emotionally yeah. absent. So that and that's a confusing kind of neglect. And and I it took a lot of therapy to understand that. But it's like you know that like not having this sort of not having like any emotional connection is just like not putting a coat on your kid in the winter. Like it's still a kind of neglect. It's still a kind of trauma and stuff. And I didn't really realize that until later. And that's what a big part of Danger and Eggs was, where it's like there's these two parents. Philip literally has this giant mother who's right there. He comfortably lives inside of her, but she can't talk to him. She doesn't teach him anything. She just balks. And then Dee Dee has this father that is um, in cast and only can mumble. And so she's just kind of projecting what she thinks her father would say, a good father would say onto her father and then doing whatever she thinks he said. And I feel like with my mom and stepdad, it was kind of that, you know, like it was just like they were present, but not very emotionally connected. And, and it's a kind of abuse that you don't, that isn't like people don't talk about it. You know, it's different than like the cigarette getting put out on your arm or whatever. What's uh, your relationship like now? Um, uh, well, I've never, I haven't seen my stepdad. He cheated on my mom, and, and uh, so we kind of all lost track of him. But um, my mom, it's, it's good. It's fine, but it's, it's very superficial. You know, we go on trips together, but we can't talk about anything. Who do you talk to? I go to therapy three days a week. That is a lot of therapy, and also that's great. Yeah. Um, I have a group and then I, um, I have friends, Jen Richards and, um, who I know was on your podcast. It's yeah, Jen. Nice her name. Jen um, yeah, there's, there's certain friends that are, there are like three or four friends. Chris is great that, um, yeah, that I just, and it's reciprocal, you know, that we kind of therapize each other. Sure. But yeah, mostly it's just like professionals. I have a coach now and she's very helpful. So, uh, Therapy coaches, all that stuff. Yeah. So you go to therapy three days a week. For how long have you been doing that? Five years or six years. Mm. Three to five days a week. Three is low. I cut it down to three because um, I was show running and I didn't have time for five. But I how do you do it three. in the morning? Like yeah. prior to work? Yeah. Get up, hop on Skype, and do it. Or Google. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you. D FaceTime. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't have to leave. I do it from bed. That's awesome. Yep. Yeah, it's great. How did you find that that group? How did you get specifically involved with the people that you work with? Wait, what group? No, I mean like, so you Skype in. Oh, it's just it's oh, person oh, to person. Oh, my therapist. Yeah, it's because you said that oh, you I said you also group group, you also have group yeah, therapy. Once a week, so yeah. so the group so therapy is different than the group therapy once a week in Silver Lake. Got so it. Got it. Got so it. Close. Okay. Yeah. So you Skype in to yeah. a therapist, the one on one session, yep. something like that. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Six years ago, I called her. Um, a friend of mine found her and was just like, you need, you should talk to somebody. And, and I called her and I'm like, I don't want to be trans. She's like, I can't cure you. And I was like, uh, okay, well, let's just get started. Because I had gone to therapy in my early 20s, or 24, I think, for transness. And it was at a time when, like, it was a really popular 
it was popular to think that if you were trans and you liked men, you were just a self-loathing homosexual. So I believed that hardcore, that like I was just, I, I, I liked boys and I knew that I liked boys, but I couldn't Im imagine myself. I had to picture myself as a woman or some shit to be able to have an intimate relationship with a boy. And with my childhood and growing up in a rural area and stuff, it's like, why not believe that? So I just believe that hardcore uh, oh, that for 10 years. My heart, you know, for 10 years. Because then, you're the enemy. Yeah. Like that scenario, you cannot improve or have a better life right. because you are the totally. enemy. Yeah, there's no help you can get. It's there's no like, help you can get if you're the fucking problem. Right. That sucks so much. Oh, I am so. I never, I never thought of it that way. Sorry. Wow. No, you, this is just bringing tears to my eyes because the way you said it. Yeah, no, that's. I guess that's the way it is. But there's no reason to doubt that with the way gender is. So. Yeah, of course. I mean, of, and also, like, it makes sense in, I mean, even just in the the way I grew up, I could understand believing that Yeah. about myself. You know, like, like that I was responsible for my own pain. Like, yeah. That's how I felt when I when I first um, realized that I was gay. Was yeah. very much the same. Like, yeah. So I came out as queer first, and it was um, it wasn't great. I went on dates, and it just never, you know. And that only like reinforced it. Like, how? What is this dynamic not working? Why do I still think? Why do I tell them that I'm trans and they make fun of me? You know, like it was. It's weird. The therapist would make fun of you? No, the gay men I was dating. Gay oh, men. wow. Yeah. You know, I'd be like, oh, I'm trans, just to kind of like say that I'm thinking about this stuff all the time. And they'd be like, what are you talking about? You know, in the court, in the wow. middle of a date. Yeah, I just didn't. So it wasn't, it wasn't awesome. So when you were saying that, like prior to being on that date, how had, like, how had you, how had you gotten to that date? Like, had that person asked you out? Or, oh, like, just were you on, meeting people on, on the internet Grindr, or whatever? Yeah, yeah, internet dating. So you're, like, meeting somebody on Grindr. I went on a date with Guy Branham. Oh, amazing. <laughs> that we met, amazing. On, we met on Twitter. And so how just, like, asking were people you out. saying you identified? I was just saying, like, I'm trans. Like, I don't know what that means. And Got I don't it. know if, But I'm, you know, I've always been this way. I've always wanted to be a girl. So I don't know. You know, just letting you know. And then it'd be like, oh, am I going to come find you in pantyhose like do you need to wear clothes like do you need to do this and I was like no no no, I don't need to like cross dress or anything I'm just saying that like this is how I am right I haven't really told this story before so I'm just like sitting here staring into your eyes like processing it with you I mean I I'm totally it's I'm here very with strange. you in this moment no no it's fully. weird because it's like I but you know I mean the easy way to tell the story is like I believe that I got really into radical feminism. I got really into trying to like figure out how to break down gender and to completely eradicate it from my mind. And that still has like a big effect on the kind of trans person I am now. Still very confused and I, I've never settled. It's not that nice like Caitlyn Jenner like, I'm a woman now, like kind of, or sorry, I could, <laughs> I'm a woman now, you know, kind of trans version of transness. It's still very like, eh, whatever. I don't know. It's just what it is. Who knows? Well, um, I mean, one positive thing is that, like, in some ways, the community has caught up with you a little bit. That's because true. when I go to, you know, I, I was a part of a community that felt like it had very specific boundaries, like lesbians, yes, gays, yeah, and everybody's cis gendered and yeah. like whatever and then i feel like that has been chipped away not chipped away because it's not anything nothing's taken away i yeah. mean it's been expanded like it was like first people that i knew um that maybe i thought of as lesbians like like were like not removing facial hair like and they not that they were taking tea or anything. It was just like right. a thing that was happening where people no, were like yeah, expanding that's, and their I had so much respect for like lesbian separatists and that like we I am a lesbian, gender is oppression a vector of oppression only. That word that's only what that word means. And 
you know, and I'm going to do what I what I do. I just don't find that the that the community that I'm a part of is one thing anymore yeah, right. at all, which I'm actually it's it's a huge relief because I will say that um I mean for me I've like if because we just don't have better words. I don't know what the better words are than like butch or femme. Like I right. don't have a better word than that. But there's no good words I, for all anything. of our all of the all words the went words. away, and that's fine. Genders, yeah, like uh, like uh, like whatever it is, you know, whatever the words are. Like I have been, um, I've dated people on sort of like both sides of me on the spectrum. Yeah, I'm always a middle guy, <laughs> and I and I feel like. That's actually really nice right now. Yeah. I even had a middle guy haircut for like 10 years. Yeah. You lost a lot of jokes when you got your haircut. I know. I'm fucked. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I feel like a middle guy too. Do you? Like, yeah. Because I really feel like... Um, yeah, I've dated... I've dated women twice. And I've fallen in love with women. But mostly I date men and it's like... Um, I, I just watched uh, One Mississippi and that whole thing with what is her name on the show? Kate. Kate's relationship with Tig like is spot on with like the straight girl. Um, I'm like not caught up. Okay. So you're just talking so about this thing. Okay. So there's know. this thing. There's this exciting thing that's happening. I'm just learning it all. Like I'm, I'm questioning it every single day and learning shit every single day and being around queer people, queer men who I, you know, would identify as gay or queer women who would have identified as lesbian now using the term queer to sort of just mean this like very fluid, fluctuating, uh, uh, political, positive movement like is awesome. And, but I'm still not, I'm still, I don't know if it's just like I'm a skeptic at heart, but I'm just like, it's taking a lot for me. I'm, I'm slow on the uptake, I guess. Cause like Laurel will just be like, no, you're just being, you're just being femme today or whatever. It doesn't mean anything. Just like, let it go. Like Laura Zach has helped me understand myself so much as a queer woman who will get like really done up and will be very femme and be very sort of masculine or butch on, at different times. But like, I mean, it's femme, but I just like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I don't know, yeah. and I like, and allowing flexibility and not having rigid, rigid thought is like a new concept that I'm working so hard on to just let myself be flexi flexible. But the world's not that flexible, you know? Like every article is like, oh, a this is a show created by a transgender woman, or like, it's like, I don't call myself a woman, but it's just assumed. And there's nothing, I don't, but I don't also don't call myself like, agender or non-binary or anything like that because i am pretty binary in a lot of ways what do you what do you do you I have just any say trans you i use? just use trans oh just trans yeah i just like trans it's just like mm -hmm. a wide enough i mean you thing. can have you can have middle guy if you want <laughs> middle guy middle guy no, no but it's it, you know and it's all like that code switching in different environments like i if i if i'm hanging out with a bunch of queer women i'm actually usually pretty uncomfortable but it's weird because we have so many like similar cultural touchstones because I only ever lived with lesbians and I like I followed Ani DeFranco around and I like love <laughs> folk and like I got to introduce Ani like not to brag but I got to introduce Ani at a show during the Women's March that was a that was a big one for me oh, I wow. tried to not like sweat through my shirt yeah you know what I mean no I as I like shook her hand loved her so much I saw her um after or during the election and Wow, where did, when did she play at the Women's March? I didn't see that show. Was it there here? There was a no. It was in DC. Oh, okay. At like the Planned Planned Parenthood yeah, okay. did this after party thing. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I still, I'll still go see her anytime she's around. Any CC. Wait, why? What's the uncomfortable? Because you said if you're in oh, a group so of no, women, I was just saying that ironically, like I, after transition, I've become more. I was always comfortable with queer women and had like a lot of lesbian roommates, but then after I transitioned. I've become, and it's just because of the radical feminism and transclusionary stuff. And also because I don't date women. So it's like not that kind of world. Sure. I've become more uncomfortable with queer women. But if I hang out with queer women, I definitely feel more like woman. But if I hang out with gay men, then I totally, I don't see any difference between what I'm doing and what they're doing either. So it's just that kind of weird 
I'm not like completely lost. I just mm. mean that it's just, I'm just, I feel very flexible. Yeah. I don't think it's personality disorder flexible. Just like. Oh no, this sounds, this sounds, I am like, un- just like a yes. mod, I'm hopefully a modern flexibility. It sounds like a modern flexibility. Yeah. And my therapist who's very flexible and cool is, has been kind of pushing me into that and letting me do it. But then also I transitioned. So I wasn't that flexible. I still did that. Um, yeah, I yeah. mean, how does it, how do you feel? Great. You feel, you feel right? You feel good? Oh, yeah, awesome. Then that's the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, I love being trans. Can I ask you a question? And, like, you do not have to speak for everybody. I literally just want you to speak for yourself because you brought this up. You uh-huh. said, like, you're uncomfortable in communities of queer women because of, like, trans-exclusionary radical feminists. H- how often do you actually encounter somebody, oh, like, face-to-face that speaks to you that way? This is so interesting. Because I, I had a young trans person PAing for me and helping me who's very nervous about it. And I'm like, there's only 20 of them. They use three different Twitter handles. Don't worry about it. You don't, it's not going to happen. You don't, you're never going to meet them face to face. But even though I can tell that person that, I'm still sitting here with you. I'm still nervous about it. I think it's not, I don't know. It's like, I guess that's anxiety. Like, they're not saying it. I, I've I think I've encountered it face to face one time ever at a at a women's writing conference. Um and it was it didn't mean anything to me. Wow. But like but I think it's just there's enough fear of it. They've done a good job at cr- sort of creating that fear and that we're just making it up in our own heads. And I know every every political trans woman I know is afraid of it. I'm actually glad to hear you say that you think it's a small group of people only because like as a, I'm, and I will still use the word lesbian. Like I still identify yeah, that way. Sure. Um, I call myself gay. Yeah. Like I'm yeah. cool to be that, to be that. Uh, it's something that like, I mean, this isn't really true. I'm just like forgetting right now. I'm sure it feels like to me, like one of the first times I'm like just really, uh, ashamed of my community Aww. you know because like I, I'm sure there's a time I'm just not remembering when like we had a faction that was out there like preaching nonsense or doing harm I'm sure that exists I just can't think of that other time and yeah well it was um, before your time right like it, the yeah. big split was in the 1980s at the Barnard conference but like yeah before that it was I just feel like, you know, since I came out in like, uh, I guess, let's say, I mean, I started dating women in like maybe 2002, 2001, 2002. And then I have been like out with everybody in my life since maybe 2004, um, as opposed to a select few. And, you know, during that time, our progress has been so positive, like the whole community's progress has been so positive. And Maybe I've had my head up my ass, but I've been just like so proud of the way that we've looked out for each other. I think that's true. And I think that's very true in L.A. And I think your head is not up your ass. I think that um, I in order for me to I taught myself self-hatred and fear. And I think that sometimes I do feel like I'm writing a thing right now about LGBT representation and kids programming. And I and it was just it's like just so fierce it's for Hollywood reporter and it's like that's respectable and that's supposed to be informative and good and I don't know I don't just don't know how to write for them because I like I know how to write for Facebook angry Facebook rants that people get mad at me for <laughs> or narrative stuff like I'm not a, I'm not a think piece I've tried I wrote a think piece on dare daredevil no Deadpool that movie um, and it was terrible I deleted it right away I'm not a think piece person at all um, what was my point? I think my point is that I was just like, I taught my, I believed that stuff so much that it's just in there for me, the radical feminism stuff, because like all good ideology, it makes sense. If if you believe it, it makes sense. And you can find examples of how it makes sense all the time. Like what makes a trans woman a woman, you know, what makes anyone a woman? And it's like, they've, boil it down to it's bio it's biology and it's and the biology is the basis of the oppression and like it makes sense you know 
So yeah, I mean, it does. Can I tell you where like my perspective on it comes from? I would love to hear it because I always need to he- rehear it and rehear it, rehear it because I, I like backtrack into that into being a radical feminist myself sometimes. Oh yeah, no, I mean my. It's indoctrin. It's indoctrination in a different way. Like I was raised in the Catholic Church, but and I sort of talked about this with Jen. So I don't know if you listened to that episode. I did. I, I think I, I listened to most of your. Yeah. Episodes. So like I was just raised in a culturally like the thing. The thing I was taught in my family. Um, literally, like I I can't describe it to people in a different way besides than like the way a slogan is taught to like the Marines. Like uh, I know it's not the same thing. I haven't been to war, but yeah, but uh, my dad specifically, my dad's adopted and, and that has been a huge part of his life. He wanted to create his family and he told me for my entire life, like you don't leave family behind. So like I have two sisters. The thing that I was taught every day of my life. And I'm like still taught this now. Like it's like, half of the conversation I have with my parents is like you don't leave your family behind you don't leave your family behind very much this like I mean I imagine it has always felt like you know I would like I should throw my sister on my back and then like run out of some Mm -hmm. sort of like blazing building meanwhile like nothing would be happening you know this would be like what we were being taught like like you got to get ready for dance class. Don't leave your sister behind. Like, like right, this right, very right. like yeah. high octane. No, that's very Catholic. I know I dated su- a Catholic. Yeah, and, super yeah. Catholic, super Italian. Like um, I'm super culturally Italian. So like, and then also because I was Catholic, um, the part of that stuff that I was taught was like, you also do no harm. So like you don't leave anybody here behind and you do no harm and you fight for justice. And like, it's, I mean, Jesus is like a superhero, right? Like that's the that's the Jesus that I was raised with. Like, less um, Catholics don't necessarily believe that you have to do all these th- certain things. Like Catholics aren't the ones that are like, "I saved my vaginal virginity from marriage," and right, we can right. only no, do it in the got, butt. Like that's not Catholics. And that's Catholics. The, that's it. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, anyway, I feel so much pride about being queer that this is my family and the idea that I would leave any of my family behind because they feel something is true for themselves. That's what I knew for me. Like I felt something was true for myself. My church didn't understand it. My family didn't understand it, but I felt it. Yeah. And I knew it to be true. So I believe other people. Like I, I believe, I believe people that say that, that this is their experience. Right. And because that's my family, I'm going to protect them. Right. So, I mean, I just like, I could, I mean, I, I can get very yelly about that. No, that's good. I, you don't have to yell at me. No, I don't mean <laughs> Or even you. around me. I mean, no, I, I just no, mean, I, I, I understand. I, I wouldn't I like be yelling that. at you. I would be standing uh, uh, in front yeah. of you. Yeah. Yelling in the other You'd direction. You'd have me on your back. Exactly. Running burning, whatever <laughs> exactly. we, whatever you started on fire. I like which is the weird. city of Burbank. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> There's huge problem with wildfires. Yeah. Um, anyway. So, but we're safe now, right? Yeah, we're safe. Yeah, we're safe. Um, Does any of that like No, it absolutely makes sense. I, I mean, I think it, that that's the one thing we've got, right? Like that's like the people that are empathetic and believe that we have a specific, specific like lived experience and it's true for us no matter how it happened are the best people. And that's the kindest thing we can do for ourselves too. If I'm, my therapist has to do that to me. She's like, when I'm, especially when I'm really struggling, I'm like, what am I doing? She's like, it doesn't matter. You've been doing it since you were four. Like, just let it go. It doesn't matter if it happened to you at three or if you, you know, decided it f- to do it at three or whatever, whatever made you think you were trans and that you wanted, like, it's baked in, you know, let it go. That's it doesn't matter totally what's, how true. it started. So, so I, I think that you're, you know, that's right, you know. And, but I think for those, I especially more separatist lesbians, right, we all know, that, like, it's just, they just see it as another way for men to infiltrate and dominate women's spaces. And, and uh, um, so they're not, it's not about, like, protecting anyone. It's about defending you know, women. Uh, so I just haven't like, found that to be true. Like, I feel like that to me is fear that ha- 
lacks um, like experiential or evidentiary proof. You know what I mean? Like I, I understand having fear. I understand being afraid yeah. of things, but I'm super yeah. close to a lot of not a lot of people, but I have a tight. I have a, a couple very close friends. I mean. My circle of friends is not like a zillion people. It's like I know well, a zillion LA, people. Yeah, the like LA my version of friends, of friends is like is very really small. confusing. And some people like that are really important to me, um, like including my wife. I don't know. Rhea kind of identifies as like like everything and nothing. Yeah, know? and that I just can't have a problem with that i don't yeah. know i no. look at the actual lived experience of, of being Rhea seems very gender free and it's a nice <laughs> she's a good she's a good person to look at to like and i like yeah. what you guys have done too where it's just like she's a woman she's this is a woman this is a kind of woman get used to it everyone and i think that like i feel the same way with like if we were allowed to say that i'm a kind of man fine but no one's like letting that go. And I don't really need to do that education. But like, if we really want to be gender free, I don't care. You know, like it shouldn't matter if you call me a woman or a man, I'm femme and I'm whatever, fat and tall and things, <laughs> you know, and I like to write and I joke around and I, yeah, I love. I, I feel like what's so what's been so cool about just like having these conversations i can't believe i get to do this right now like i yeah, just get to invite people over and be like let's just look each other in the eye and try to understand where each other's coming from and this is all i want to do <laughs> this so is smart. my dream project this is, I, this is my this dream is, project yeah no it's so no, good all i want to do is just be like what works for you how what, like how do you like talk to me about how you plug in like because i think um it's really helping me know myself better. And also we're just not getting good information on this because yeah. everything is being reduced. Like, okay, so if Twitter's our news source, what you just said in print, if as a poll quote, is so different than what you just said 55 minutes into a conversation. Right. And I think that that's kind of what I'm in love with about this is just like this idea that because I will even say, like, I sometimes I tweet something or, you know, like, say something on stage, even on stage where you have more time to explain yourself. Each individual joke is not 60 minutes long. And so, like, I will get this feedback from somebody that, and this is a minority of people, but, like, that person who's hurt or who mm -hmm. wants it to be different or, like, who yeah. wants to be included. And I think that what I'm hopeful for is this moment where we can like all speak in our own voices and just be like, I'm just representing myself and this is how I feel. How do you feel? And then like that person represents themselves and we kind of go through there because really, you know, um, I mean the systems that we're talking about breaking down, all of the systems that r rely on us, um, not doing that right they rely on us like reading each other immediately right and having hard and fast answers that are short they yeah. were like i know that's why systems i don't, of I, don't I don't rely do on very <laughs> well in those systems because like I, I but i i just let like if anybody writes an article about me or whatever i just kind of let it go like whatever they said i'm never on twitter saying like mm, that's not how i am there's a lot of projection you know, and it'll be like, well, this is how trans, this is what it's like for a trans person to do this or a trans person to do that or trans woman. You'll say trans woman. I'm like, mm, not really. Like, I don't go with that. But then at other times I'm like, yep, I'm a trans woman, Hollywood, <laughs> you know, 2017. Look at me just being a trans woman. I'll put on a pretty dress and jump on the red carpet and be a trans woman because there's like a moment where that's the only thing that feels like anything is possible like the kind of trans person that i am i've only i think shakina um on who uh, difficult people is similar but like the kind of big sloppy trans person we don't get we don't we're, we're not in stuff we don't get to do stuff 
You know, like, like the equivalent cis woman gets to do stuff, but the equivalent like sloppy, loud, obnoxious, jokey trans person doesn't really get to do stuff. Like you have to, it's still very beauty standards oriented and very like Sydney Portier moment of like respectable representation. And you see people that are winning at that very well. And then for the rest of us, it's just like, I guess I'll make a kid's show. I guess I'll try to find my place in all this. But I really want to have my own show just like falling over and spilling food on myself. <laughs> you know, I want to show I want to show my story. Well, you know, um, my story pisses people off, though. Hey, you can be as sloppy as you want around me. I'm cool with it. I will say I this. Just, I feel like that like that market of. That's such a, you're right. I mean, you're totally, obviously, you're right, because it's your lived experience. But I, but I mean, like, the president of that club of people, uh, the presidents are like cis straight white dudes, right? And uh-huh. so that the fact that we've even gotten to like cis straight women, like, and it's taken however the fuck long, like, yeah. like women, you're right, women can do that. Women like just got there and like not necessarily gay women. Right. Like, you know what I mean? It's like we're still the L word or whatever. I think it's all changing. And I just, I hope that this moment that we're in right now, when like you have a show on Amazon and like I have a show on CISO. And so we don't know what that even means numbers wise, but at least we have like shows and stuff. I hope that the end of this democratization is kind of like, a lot of different types of people get to do different types of things. I hope so too. That would be the, How the do best you stay positive and believe that? Because I'm really struggling that with that right now. Because the things when people are like, what do you want to do? I'm like, I don't get to do what I want to do. But I need to. I need to. Like, well, I mean, like, I can't be like the soldier during peacetime just being like, my instinct is just to complain about how things were <laughs> and not, I don't have that positivity to be like, no, I can break some barrier that's been there. Unfortunately so, for to, both of us, uh, it's a personality trait. Like I, uh, I wish I could teach you more of what I'm saying. I also wish that you could teach me a little bit of like letting things be how they are and complaining. Uh, that doesn't work for me. I like, I get up at six o'clock in the morning and I'm just like, how do we change today? No, I am that way. Yeah. I, I'm that way. And I, but it's not, it's fine for certain things. I've changed the world a couple times. Right. Um, and, and helped people and stuff. But, but when, but for my own career and the things I want to write about, it's like, I can't, I can't, I'm not like at this point where I can just like really be ready to feel like I can go into pitches and, and present this stuff and not just be traumatized by it. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what I'm saying is like, yeah. I don't know. I think it's literally like that training I was talking about from being a kid where it's just like you like run at the thing uh-huh. and you. But I I don't know. I mean, if there's anything I would say, it's that. Uh, well, I used to tour with Anthony Jeselnik. Yeah. And before I ask you, Queero, I will say this thing that that dude once said to me. Um, do you know how many people get to do what we to do like in the you know arc of time or whatever it's like not even a percent that registers right it's less than zero yeah so if that is already true and you're already doing it yeah given that it was there was literally a zero percent chance a less than zero percent chance that's true and you can at least take that yeah okay i got it Thanks. Fixed. Thanks, Anthony. <laughs> yeah. Um, as we leave today, will you will you um will you share with me a queero, somebody or something that this made is, you feel safe? I think it's gonna be a bummer because I already talked about her, but Ani DeFranco completely raised me. Like I had all of her albums plus all the samplers plus all the tapes. And, like, everything that, you know, I learned politically about, like, 
incarceration and drug use and just every every sort of liberal or progressive thought came from Ani DeFranco. It was just like, what? What does she mean? Like every single thing. I had nothing else. Um, so I guess it would be her. And then I, she got a lot of beef for marrying a man. I remember that. I felt really bad for her because she was the two little girls singer. All the all the queer women loved her. Yeah. Is that good enough? That's great enough. Yeah. Yeah. Have you met her? She taught me everything. Yeah, I've met her, but not not now. Yeah. Met her a long time ago. I went to um, a show that like the student, you know, it was like student union put on. Yep. And there were like 10 people there. So I got to meet her and talk to her and hang out with her a little bit. I think she's still doing all right. I saw her whenever that was. Yeah. Friggin' January. Yeah, I think I saw her last fall. She's so, she was so positive about Donald Trump. She's like, don't worry about it. She really changed my mood. <laughs> she was just like, she's got, I got some, I got some ideas about that. You know, this is just the last, it was kind of that, this is their last oh, wow. ditch attempt and this is what's going to cause a swing. But it was just like, it was really basic, but com- coming out of her mouth, it's just like, yeah, I believe you. Thanks, mama. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Annie. Thanks, Annie. And thank you so much, Annie. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Let's go find listeners that's our show please remember to rate and review us on itunes you can follow me on twitter at cameron esposito we are recorded by matt brousseau produced by sierra katow and feral audio our theme song is by aw and you can find them at listen to aw.com thanks for listening to query Hey, this is Arnie Niekamp from the Improv Fantasy Podcast, Hello from the Magic Tavern. I fell through a dimensional portal behind a Burger King in Chicago into the magical land of Foon, and I started a podcast. Season three has just begun with a brand new adventure to defeat the Dark Lord. If you're a new listener or you've fallen behind, season three is a great jumping on point. And we've got great guests like Justin McElroy. I sound like a fancy college professor. Fake nuts. <laughs> Rachel Bloom. You all see my collection of men corpses and one woman. Felicia Day and Colton Dunn. You've seen <coughs> me have intercourse with a variety of species. It's a bummer. Andy Daly. You have the members of Genesis listed, but Phil Collins yeah. has crossed out and then circled and crossed out again. Ah, uh, yes. I have killed Phil Collins twice. Thomas Middleditch. Ah! Oh, Jesus! I mean, Jazos! <laughs> ruler of the Eighth Circle! And that's just the beginning. Season three of Hello from the Magic Tavern is out now. Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.